Welcome everybody back to week seven or episode seven, if you will, of the Takeover podcast. This week we're going to be talking a little bit about the MLB and whether or not we'll have it, you know, come the future here in the near future. And we'll also talk a lot about the reemergence of the NBA season um, as we see it sort of play out right before the playoffs here. So the first segment that we got, we got our MLB rundown this week. Um, changes in the MLB. So I pulled an article uh, from ESPN and some of the changes that they have listed. First, I'll go over the first one here on our rundown. No couches in the clubhouses for any of the teams. So it's strictly business for guys, you know, tra- changing before the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Noah? You know, it, it's hard to say. I, I think it's a good choice because couches are, you know, relatively more challenging to sanitize and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely takes away from the normal clubhouse feel, and I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's definitely something the players are going to have to get used to. Right, right. I I read that there were a couple of players that were saying like they go in, they go just go into the locker room and it's basically you know change and get out because there's no time to socialize and there's no couch to sit on. So you know they've I, and I'm sure like too I know. Like there's probably in some of the more, you know, relaxed clubhouses, there used to be like, you know, maybe a pinball machine or maybe a ping pong table. And it really used to have that, that feel of like someplace you could go to just hang out and they don't have any of those amenities anymore. So really, really kind of interesting. Next thing on the list here, players discouraged from touching television remotes. So along those same lines of, you know, don't spread it through physical touch. Uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, same type of thing, man. It it really kind of comes down to me, like how how paranoid you are, and like how much of a germaphobe you are. Because if if you're like me, like if I was gonna touch it, I would be very wary, and I'd like sanitize my hands right after. But like a lot of people I know just don't care, and they're like, "Are you kidding me? A TV remote? Like, come on!" But hey, germs <laughs> germs can live on that kind of stuff, so you gotta yeah. be careful. <laughs> um, only players with a decent chance of entering the game are allowed in the dugout. And I was, I was reading, I guess, decent, decent chance is kind of a very loose term, but I, it goes along with um, kind of the next point that later in the show that we'll talk about, but players are struggling to figure out where they're going to sit. So guys who are maybe relief pitchers that are off for that day, they have no idea where to sit. So they sit in the dugout sometimes, well, they can't sit in the dugout, but they sit behind the dugout. They sit behind the bullpen. They're in the weight room at one point. So this article was talking about where all these guys were just like basically roaming around the stadium. Like they have no idea where they should sit. I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, no, definitely uh, another thing that's going to take a little bit to get used to. <laughs> um, pre-game information and strategy from the coaches has been broken into brief segments as opposed to like, you know, maybe an hour or 45 minutes of like, I mean, pregame information or really just detailing what the strategy is going into a certain game. So that, that I know is something that they had to really, really think about because like, I guess COVID is spread through, you know, physical, you know, talking and breathing. Right. So that was something that they had to try to, they tried to limit. So that way they could, you know, combat the spread of the virus. Yeah, I mean, it's just all this stuff is just, I think, I think moving in the right direction in terms of, uh, in terms of keeping everyone safe. Because obviously, the MLB without a bubble is going to be exposed to so much more. So I do think yeah. uh, being stricter about these kind of things is good for the league. 
And uh, two more here. Uh, second to last one here. Red Bull is used to replenish the artificial or used to replenish the crowd noise that like guys used to you know, feed off of for like, you know, being able to play better. What are, what are your thoughts on using Red Bull? You like it? I mean, I, I'm definitely a fan of Red Bull and energy drinks. I, I think for me, it's, it can be kind of like a pseudo effect where, where I don't know how much the caffeine actually affects me. Uh, but it's definitely a different feeling than like the the roar of the crowd. I imagine yeah. like if if yeah. you're in one of those scenarios, the adrenaline you're gonna be getting from that is so much greater than anything that like caffeine can get you, in my opinion. So it, it's cool they're trying to substitute, but I mean nothing's really gonna uh, match the real thing. <laughs> and uh, last last bullet point here: no more around the horn. So I know there was there was a picture. I think I think it was the picture for. The, one of the pitchers for the Dodgers, he had commented that it was he found it interesting that now they don't do around the horn, which if you don't know what that is, that's when the ball is thrown to the catcher and he throws it to maybe the third baseman, for instance, and then the, the third baseman will throw it to first and the first will throw it to shortstop. And it, it continues as a pattern just while the, you know, the pitcher can get a break from holding the ball, I guess. And so the article was talking about how, the you know, I think it was Clayton Kershaw, he goes, how weird it felt because he, he stepped off the mound and he, he walked around a little bit. And the meanwhile, the ball was still in the, the catcher's mitt and he, the pitcher was walking around. Kershaw was walking around for about, you know, I don't know, 20 seconds or so. And the catcher was just waiting for him to throw the ball back. So that, that is something that you could keep your eye on um, as far as changes in the MLB. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Uh, moving forward so yeah a lot of changes um but probably probably not enough but here in the show um teams to watch right now uh we compiled a list of some teams that are actually doing pretty pretty well despite all the setbacks with the pandemic um with you know a lot of news saying that the MLB shouldn't continue lots of postponed games so these teams are they're dealing with quite a bit right now so um but the number one, number one on the list that we have here, not in any particular order, but here, here are some of the teams. The Yankees sitting at 10 and 6. Uh, basically, all of the team, four of the five teams in the AL Central. Um, you've got the Twins sitting at 10 and 6. You're probably pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the White Sox sitting at 8 and 8. Tigers at 8 and 5. And the Indians sitting at 10 and 7. The Athletics. So the money ball's paying off. Um, athletics. Are... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Do they still do that? I'm, I'm legitimately I'm, curious. I'm sure most teams do some sort of a, that. I'm, I'm sure. Statistic baseball is a statistics-driven, driven sport. I would, I would highly, I'd be very surprised if they didn't actually, you know, depend use statistics into their analysis. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure most teams picked it up after the A's were so successful. But it's just weird because, like. I guess people don't really, or at least I don't think of them as that team anymore, you know. But it's just, it's, it's interesting to think about for sure. <laughs> well, and, well, anyways, whatever they're doing is working. They're sitting at 12 and 4. And then uh, this, this is my favorite team. Um, the COVID infested Barlins are sitting at a strong <laughs> 7 and 3. They've only played 10 games. Meanwhile, there are other teams in the MLB. Uh, the Indians, are, I know, for example, the Dodgers that have played like 16 or 17 games already. Um, but, you know, the Marlins are coming right along. Um, they're, 
they're doing all right. The Braves at 11 and six, the Cubs at 10 and three, the Rockies at 11 and four, and the Dodgers at at 11 and five. So there's some teams that are doing doing pretty well. And on the contrary, we got a team that's not doing so hot. We got the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> sitting at a uh, at a strong three and thirteen. Yeah, I mean the Pirates. I I don't think they've been a great franchise for a while. They need a bit of a bit of a revamp, maybe. But uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of fun teams to follow in the NBA for sure. I said the N, I mean the NBA. Yeah, the MLB is what I was talking about. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I mean. I'm a Twins fan, so it's been really exciting for me to see them doing well. We have some great sluggers on the team and some mm-hmm. exciting games for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I always got to keep my eye out for those Yankees because the Twins can never really get past them in the postseason, and that's always a, a huge problem. So, yeah, right. seeing them do well and Aaron Judge, obviously, he's as much of a beast as he's ever been. That's uh, right. That's problematic. The The Marlins is really weird to me, man. Like, I don't, like they have a good – I mean, a relatively good record, but like their team's been hit with so many, so many like external, like factors that these other teams haven't had to deal with. Like, I don't know. I'm just wondering what the mentals like for those guys on that roster. I don't know, man. I don't think I don't think really anything's changed. It's a it's a team from Florida that they're they're going to play good baseball, man. They're just <laughs> <laughs> they came ready to play, and their record shows it. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> All right. Um, moving forward here, um, St. Louis Cardinals earlier this week and in, into last week, actually, um, they had personnel that tested positive for COVID. So they're, they're just another team to have to deal with this, uh, deal with this issue. Um, and we talked about the Marlins having to deal with the, the pandemic and recent news, I guess it was earlier this week, you know, there was more information about it earlier this morning, but the Phillies had some games postponed as well due to COVID. So, you know, there's more and more teams that are having to face this issue dealing with the pandemic. You talked about it, no bubble situation. So we're really starting to see, I mean, everything, everything with the NBA is starting to contrast what the MLB has done. And so we're, we're really starting to see some of the repercussions of not having a uh, effective bubble in place. But uh, moving forward, um, CBS Sports reported the 24 games, and it, this was earlier this week. So I'm sure it's been, it's slightly heavier than that now. So probably 27 or 28 so far, there's been 24 games at least this uh, season that have been postponed due to COVID. And there was an article that I was reading that was talking about how, what is it, what does it look like if you have a postponed game? Because the this, this season, like we had mentioned, is already so, it's already been condensed so much. So every game really is a, 2.4 multiplier or 2.7 multiplier because they're only playing 60 games this season, making each game that much more important. So how are they going to find time to squeeze all of these games, you know, to make up, are they going to do double headers? Are they going to play on days that they weren't already scheduled to play? And it's, that is something that is a big question that the MLB is going to have to address. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not too sure, man. I, I've been kind of ignoring the fact that when these teams get COVID, uh, their games get canceled and they have to get rescheduled. But, yeah, that's a huge, huge deal. I'm kind of surprised they haven't announced how they're tackling that yet, actually. But, I, I mean, in my opinion, I just – I don't know. I figure you just kind of got to get the games in while they're healthy. So, I figure, like, a doubleheader scenario could – 
be good because, you know, if you're playing like two games back to back, unless someone tests positive, like in between games, you should be okay there. But yeah. Um, yeah and luckily baseball, obviously there is, um, you know, some physical strain and it's, uh, and yeah, it's not like you're not going to feel the impact of playing two games in a row, but like, at, at least it's not like, you know, the NFL or NBA where like, if you did a double header like that, you would really be feeling it the second game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we touched, we touched on this a little bit last week. I, I wanted to know if your, your opinion or your thoughts on this ever changed, but um, viability of the season going forward. Um, ESPN's Jeff Passan, he wrote an article. Um, he wrote an article last week that I would highly recommend any listener read. It was, it was pretty well done. And he basically pleads, he had, I also saw a clip. This was taken from the clip actually, but he pleads with the MLB to adopt a bubble system. Not really. He doesn't even think that they can get it adopted in time by the end of the season, as fast as the season is going, because I'll remind, I'll remind you um, this, the season's basically already a quarter over for some of these teams. I mean, if, if they're going to do um, po- postpone games, if they're going to try to play them later, then maybe those games can be, you know, made up. But right now, as it stands, the season's already a quarter over because it's a 60 game season. So it's moving incredibly fast. So, you know, he had touched on the idea that they're not really going to even have time to put the bubble in place by the end of the regular season. They probably should just try to do it for the postseason and see if it, it changes anything. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think trying to get a bubble at any point is going to be a great idea. So for playoffs, I mean, I, I think that would be, yeah, just, just a great choice. Assuming that, you know, we haven't progressed in the country anymore in terms of how we're dealing with COVID. I think a bubble is kind of not, not a necessity, I guess, because, you know, baseball has been going, you know, decent without it. But I think for really the highest quality of play, you, you really want that bubble. So I think getting up for playoffs would be a great idea. Yeah. All righty. Um, that's a, that's about it that we have covered for uh, baseball for this uh, episode. You want to jump into the NBA here? Yeah, man, let's run it. I'll, I'll right. start us off. So uh, in the NBA, there's a lot of fighting going on for that eighth spot in the mm-hmm. West. Uh, and that eighth place team is going to have to play a game with the ninth place team uh, since the West is so dominant over the East. And, you know, to start it off, the Grizzlies, that's a, it's tough to be a Grizzlies fan right now. They've got yeah. one and four in the bubble. Uh, you know, coming into it, everyone was pretty excited. You know, Ja Morant has been looking great. But in the bubble, the Grizzlies have kind of fizzled out. I, I want to get your take on on what's going on with that team, Grant. Yeah, I I would I would agree. Fizzled out is probably the the verb that I could use too. Um, I I feel for the the Grizzlies because I think this was this was almost lag, if you will, in like game terminology. It's just lag. Like I didn't expect I didn't really expect the Grizzlies to have the eighth spot. I might have put them in when we made our NBA predictions for the you know the postseason. I might have had them at the eighth place because I I had no I I had no idea that the Blazers were going to get healthy that they all they were just going to you know play as well as they have been playing, um, but I, I think they also also too you know they they've been struggling with injuries if I'm correct I think they just lost one of their most valuable players and is his last name Jackson I think I think the Grizzlies. I, I, yeah, I think so. I, I got to be honest. I haven't followed them too much. Yeah, um, so yeah I'm not I don't sure, either. But, but um, yeah, so I think they lost. Lost. They've been dealing with injuries, and that is that's a that's a big hit to them. I mean, 
John Morant's been carrying the load, obviously, but I, I didn't, I didn't expect the Grizzlies to really hold that eight spot very long. So uh, you want to get into who's, who's potentially going to take that eight spot? Oh yeah, I mean, come on. We all know what mm-hmm. time it is. It's Dame time. The mm-hmm. Blazers are going crazy. I mean, Dame just dropped. It was either it was a night or two ago. He dropped a fifty piece. So he's <laughs> he's in he's in playoff mode. And there's been a little drama there, right? Um, him button heads with a couple people. Right. We, can, we can get into, but uh, but with Dame, you know, CJ McCollum and Mello playing great. I don't yep. see any reason why the Blazers aren't going to take that spot. And also, too, you know, you mentioned those three guys. They're also getting some guys back that they uh, that they had on like maybe injury reserve. So they got Nurkic back, and uh, Whiteside has been playing pretty well. And you know, dude, all around, actually, I think the Blazers are legit. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about more of them coming up here soon. But um, what do you want, what do you think about the Suns? They've got a red heart, red hot start right now. I don't know, man. The Suns kind of look like uh, Devin Booker and the boys. I mean, we got one, we got one guy on that squad yeah. who's, who's a beast. But, like, someone tweeted it the other day. I forget who. It was some big, like, personality. But they're like, we need to get him off the Suns. He's, like, too good to be wasting his time with that franchise or something. And I was like, damn. I, You know, I think <laughs> they might have a point, dude. Like, yeah, the Suns are, I don't know, tough franchise, honestly. They got a couple guys I like for sure. Um, and you know, I, I, I do cheer for them a bit, but like, I, I do think he They're needs to find part. a new squad. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, they got, they have a decent supporting cast, but I don't think it's one that's going to carry them very far. Um, I mean, they got DeAndre Ayton and they got a couple other players that I think that I think could impact some games. But like you said, it's, it's really the Devin Booker show he hit a turnaround jumper the other day to beat the Clippers. And I know how sad Clippers must've been because I mean, it, it was a good, it was a decent shot, but Paul George, again, you know, he has some conflict with, you know, the Portland Trailblazers point guard, uh, Damian Lillard. And now he, he was speaking out about the, the bad shot. It was a bad shot is what he said um, when Devin Booker hit a shot in his face to seal the game. But yeah, um, Suns and Blazers looking good. We'll, we'll have to see. I think as it stands right now in the NBA standings, uh, here is the rundown. So you have the Grizzlies, who have 38 losses, and then you have the trail. They're sitting at, in eighth place with 38 losses. You have the Portland Trailblazers sitting at 39 losses. They're a half a game back um, of the Grizzlies. The Spurs are a half a game back behind the Blazers, and then you get the Suns, kind of just chilling out. They're tied with the Suns, or they're, excuse me, they're tied with the Spurs um, at 20 games out. So half a uh, whole game behind the Grizzlies. But yeah, it's a uh, it's going to come down to the wire here for that eighth and ninth play-in game. Yeah, most definitely, dude. It's it's just so funny how the West and the East are so mismatched. And, like, <laughs> any of those teams could just annihilate the Nets who are playing in the East for some reason. So, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. All righty. Um, Blazers, are, there's, there's been a lot of people saying this about the potential, like, the potential first round for the – um, West Coast. So along with that, we know that there's going to be the, the one eight seed in the East and the two seven seed are already locked in um, on the West. Like you mentioned, it's a completely different story. It's the wild West. Um, the Lakers have already locked in number one, but there's been a lot of people discussing. A lot of people have actually been picking the Blazers to get that eighth spot. Um, so what do you think about What are your thoughts on a Blazers Lakers, a Lakers first round? Oh, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I think that'd be super exciting, especially since the the Lakers have been struggling a little bit, dude. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't want to call an upset, but I think there could be a couple games going their way if that's the first round matchup. Yeah, um, and you you mentioned the struggling Lakers. Um, I don't know if you watched. Did you happen to watch the game? I mean, they, they've been struggling most of the bubble. Um, but have you watched a couple of the Lakers games? I, I haven't seen one in full, but I, I've seen parts. I watched them lose to the yeah. Clippers, so I mean, okay, yeah. So yeah, you would know that they they won that game. That was one of their wait that a was minute, one of their only. Wait, no, I'm <laughs> wait, I'm stupid. No, they barely beat the Clippers. I I'm thinking they should have lost if the Clippers had been with their full roster. That's what right, I'm right, to say. yeah. <laughs> so with you know we had talked about this, the loss of Rondo. Uh, he might actually come back. I think he's got like a hand injury right now. He might come back. Bradley Beal, not or Avery Bradley, excuse me, not coming back. Um, and you know, the other night they were sitting LeBron James. I think it was the was it the Rock? I think yeah, the game was the Rockets versus the Lakers. It was three three or four, maybe three games back. And I was watching that game, and uh, they they sat LeBron James. I think LeBron was just sitting for you know maybe some rest going forward with the playoffs. And I got to tell you, the Lakers looked a little scary. Like, they did not look very good. Um, and I think part of that had to do with a little bit of the coaching. I mean, I like Frank Vogel. I think Frank Vogel's a pretty good coach. Um, but I had no idea what was going on at the end of the game um, because, you know, he had pulled basically – he basically pulled, you know, Danny Green and, you know, Coos, and he pulled, uh, you know, Anthony Davis. He pulled the, basically their best players, and he put in some, some bench players – and the bench players actually they got it within five points, like they were right right there to seal the game with like five minutes to go. And Frank Vogel had the opportunity to make some subs, and he didn't make any substitutions. And they kept in, you know, you know, they kept in J.R. Smith and they kept in Dion Waiters, and it, it just kind of cr- crumbled, and they ended up losing by like fifteen or seventeen. And I just I just wanted to get your feel. Without LeBron James, if LeBron James or without Anthony Davis, you know, this Lakers team is not as good as we thought they were. Um, what are your thoughts on the Lakers right now? Yeah, I mean, Le- LeBron and AD are obviously the best players. So it's, um, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. I just, I really think they're going to be able to turn it on come playoffs and that this squad is just going to be like really able to show their full potential. And, and I just think, I mean, I don't think it's a great thing that they're, like, losing these games and stuff. But uh, I, I think that with certain teams, they just, like, kind of lose motivation towards the end of the season and, and like, regular <laughs> season play. And yeah. and they can, they can flip that switch come, come you know, game time and playoffs. So yeah. that, that's kind of my take on it currently. Yeah. I know uh, Shaquille O'Neal on um, TNT with the, like, the, behind the NBA or whatever they call it um, – they Shaquille O'Neal was talking about how certain teams are able to turn it on and turn it off. And, you know, Charles Barkley, he, he had said to Charles Barkley, he goes, that was obviously, a, a you know, a, that was, you were never in that mode, Chuck, because you never had the opportunity at the one seed. So you can never have the, you know, the grace of being able to turn it on and turn it off. And, you know, he was, he was talking about how like great players are able to just like, they're able to, cru- basically it's cruise control, right. Till the end of the season. And then they're able to, you know, ramp it up once again, once the playoffs resume. Um, but, you know, I, 
you know, the, the Lakers have, you know, they've been losing with LeBron on the floor. So I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if they're, if they're still the same team as they were uh, before the pandemic, but yeah. So lots of questions to be answered with the number one team in the West. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I think when we talk about the number one team in the West, it's, it's only fair to talk about the number one team in the East as well. And, and the Bucks. what do you think about, what do you think about them and the fact that they're sitting Giannis right now? Or they, uh, they, or they did against the I, Nets, rather. I think it's – no, I think that was a good move. I think, you know, I, if I know Giannis, he probably wanted to play, but I think that's a good move by the the, uh, the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks have enough talent. Actually, they, they should be able to sit Giannis and actually still win games. Like, I don't – you know, they got Bledsoe and they got Middleton and they have a whole supporting – slew of supporting cast to help them. You know, the Bucks are a really strong team. I actually think the Bucks, in terms of, you know, the players that they have and the depth that they have, are actually a stronger team than the Lakers right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with that, you know, the organization wanted to do that, you know. And, you know, it's mitigating the risk of getting him hurt. So, yeah. And, I mean, the Nets, the Nets, come on. The Nets, <laughs> no, I mean, if the Nets had, okay, if the Nets had, you know, Kyrie or, you know, Kevin Durant out there, then maybe they would have played him, but it's the Nets. I mean, the Nets probably the Nets are probably a first round loss. Um, they're going to be who's the second seed? Second seed right now, the the Raptors in the East. It's either yeah. the Raptors or the Celtics, and it's probably going to be a first round loss for the Nets. Dude, how are the Nets in the playoffs, man? Like I don't understand. Dude, I, dude, I tell you what, Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan been carrying, but I I don't think either one of them's playing right now. And Joe Harris <laughs> has got the strap, so that's. That's All right. Weird... <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever you say, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's probably how they got there in the first place. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know how they got there. Just the way it's they've been in the bubble is just, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is. It is, it what, is it what it is. is. <laughs> All right. Um. So you've been you've been watching some NBA games. You said you've been watching here and there. I've been doing the same thing, watching here and there. Um. I just wanted to get your thoughts on who you have is the most dangerous team in the Western conference right now. You know, for me, I think the bucks are, are the choice. Most people would expect. They do look really dangerous, but oh my God. I gotta the say... bucks, the bucks are in the East, my guy. Oh, it's, Oh, did you say the West? Yeah. Yeah. The West, West. Oh, my bad. My bad. We can, well, we that... can start with the East though. Go ahead. We can start with the East. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Well, let, let's start with the East. Cause I was just going to say the bucks, I feel like are, are are the pretty you know average pick if you ask most people but i'm yeah. gonna take the raptors actually they've been really hot uh really hot recently in the in the bubble uh you know people people like to talk about how they don't have the you know the star power that it might take uh for it to go all the way but i would argue that their team play is way more important than that and you know they beat the lakers they beat the heat yeah. they're looking really good man so i yeah. I'm going to take the underdogs a little bit and put the Raptors at that number one spot. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, I I had saw that, you know, I watched the game when the Raptors played the Celtics, and I, I was, you know, I was a little concerned for the Raptors without that, that go-to guy. I mean, you think about Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he's he might be their go-to choice if they got to shoot a ball at the end of the game. Um, but we know what happened last year in the finals when he bounced off the, the side of the, you know, the backboard. But um, – I mean, in clutch moments, I don't see I don't see a whole lot of guys who would have the ball at the very end of the game, other than Spicy P. Um, Spicy, Spicy P can do it. Um, but you know, the Raptors, like you said, great team play. 
they got, I mean, who else? That, they got uh, Fred Van Vliet. So he's actually starting now. So he's, he's playing well. Um, and they got some other guys that are really, that have really stepped up their play actually in the bubble. So Val, is it, no, it's not Valanciunas. They, they traded him, but yeah, they've, they've got, um, they've got some good guys that are really starting to step up. So yeah, I like your pick with the Raptors. I'm going to go ahead with a different team though. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say the Boston Celtics, uh, I, I would, you know, argue that they have basically all the pieces they need to be, ex, you know, an excellent, successful team going forward down the stretch. Um, they got really good guards, as you know, that they have excellent guard play. You know, they got Kemba, who's, you know, game in and game out. He's trying to get more and more minutes. And uh, Jalen Brown, I, I saw him the other night. He was shooting he was shooting the ball really well. He's spotting up in the corner and hitting th- threes. Um, you know, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has really, really come on strong. He's, he, he arguably, to me, is probably the – other than Luka, other than Luka and Giannis, he's probably the best – and maybe, maybe um, you know, yeah, maybe some of the guys on the, the Miami Heat, because I know that some of those guys go overlooked. But Jason Tatum is one of the best youngest players that we have in the NBA right now. Um, and, you know, Marcus Smart is doing all the dirty work. He's grabbing rebounds, hustling for loose balls. You know, great coach, too, Brad Stevens. Um, it's evident that he's he's starting to emerge as one of the best coaches in the league that we have right now. And, you know, the only question I would have for the, the Boston Celtics, despite all of their star power, they got a, they got a great starting lineup, you know, great depth at the guard position. The only thing that I, that I would, you know, bring to the forefront as a concern is, you know, their depth in the paint. Um, I know they have, you know, Daniel Tice and Inez Cantor, but if one of those guys goes down, if one of those guys gets injured or they're not playing, you know, if they're not playing well, um, they they're going to have some serious problems like that. It's going to be DEFCON level three when they go to play, you know, the Bucks because the Bucks are a huge team. So that's, that's where I had them ending. You know, I thought they could maybe make it to the Eastern conference and, you know, play the Bucks and we'll, we'll see what happens there. What are your thoughts with the, the, the uh, Boston Celtics? Yeah, man. I mean, I, the Celtics are probably my favorite team in the East. So, I definitely got a lot of love for them. And, and they are looking good for sure with Kemba getting healthier. And, yeah, I mean, Jason Tatum's a beast. But, yeah, they got a great squad. So, I think if they can, uh, you know, kind of get it together a little more with in terms of, like, team synergy and, and stuff like that, I think they could definitely uh, have a shot at the Bucks or the Raptors uh, to, to take the, the Eastern Conference title. But, yeah. Yeah. I guess I failed to mention, too, you know, um, Gordon, Gordon's been playing better. You know, so he's been getting in the mix too. So that he's a guy that, you know, kind of fell off. I know he, they had got him when he was an all-star and, you know, he hasn't been getting the touches and the shots that he probably wants, you know, probably has volume because, you know, there's so many guys who can handle the ball and shoot the ball well on that team. But, you know, having a guy like him who can mentor these younger guys on the Bucks, I think that that is something that that would be very beneficial because the Bucks are a very young team. So yeah, well, we will have to see. Um, and who do you who do you have for the West? Who's your most dangerous team in the Wild West? In the Wild West, you know, I I could go kind of two routes here. I I could go the route with like the hopeful, uh, the hopeful one where I'm like, if if things keep going as they are, I, it would be like really exciting to see. And that would be taking the Blazers actually, even though they're not even in the playoffs yet. But the real <laughs> the realistic side of me. 
uh, you know, I, I think the Blazers are going to cool down. They're not going to be able to keep the heat. And even if they do make it in, they're going to face a monster in the first round. So I, I got to put my money on the Clippers, dude. The Clippers are looking real good. I'm, oh, I'm a big, big fan of that squad uh, yeah. to, take the, to take the West. I know in our, in our episode where we had our predictions not too long ago, we both went with the Lakers. But I'm kind of doing a flip, and I think the Clippers can take it if they keep playing like they're playing right now. Yeah, I just saw that uh, Montrez Harrell's back. And we talked about, you know, Lou Williams. We talked about that. Uh, he, I guess Lou Williams is back in action too after his quarantine. So they're, they're getting all their Avengers assembled. So they're, dude, they're arming up and getting ready to go. Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree. I think the Clippers now pose a very, very big threat to taking the West um, now that we've kind of seen a very vulnerable Lakers up, up lately. Um, for me, I would, I'm going to go with – with a, a team that's kind of sitting in the middle of the pack right now, but a team that I think, you know, could steal some games if they had to go play like a Clippers or a Lakers, if they had to play in a seven game series, I'm looking at the Houston Rockets. Um, I watched when they played the, uh, Oh, who's it? I watched them play the Lakers the other night. And I, I've just been, I think I, I watched another game too. I forget which one it was, but the, I've seen, I've seen them play twice in the bubble and I'm really impressed with this, this uh, Rockets team. Um, the other night when they were playing the uh, Lakers, they started all five guys under six, seven. So they're playing small ball and that, that creates a very, that creates an interesting problem for the teams that are bigger. Like we think about teams that are much bigger than them, like the Clippers, the Lakers, they have a much greater post presence um, than the Houston Rockets. And so, you know, their, their ability to get into the paint and actually kick out for wide open threes you know, we know the Rockets is a really good shooting team, but what we fail to recognize is that they are a team that can actually get into the paint despite their lack of size. Um, so, they, you know, they got a guy like what, Russell Westbrook, who's all the time he's just slashing and cutting into the lane. And actually, um, the the league leader in free throws attempt is, um, you know, we know, all know who it is. It's James Harden. And so he's getting into the rim. He's finding other guys. He's finding shooters. But at the same time, he's also leading the league with three points made. So, you know, he's a dual threat player. And it really keeps those defenses on their toes. You know, those guys that, you know, they can drive, but they can also, you know, knock down a step back three. It really creates a problem. And then you got other guys on the team. You got um, Austin Rivers, Ben McClaymore, you know, Daniel House. So you got some other guys that are their supporting cast that are doing just exactly that. They're driving to the lane, finding open looks. So, I think that's going to be the they're they're going to be a surprise team if anything, and uh, yeah, that's who I have. The only concern that I do have for the Rockets going forward, um, it's not really their defense, but it's their paint defense. Um, they they got PJ Tucker; they can put on somebody to play excellent, outstanding defense. Um, but I just don't know how they're going to fate. You know, how are they going to fare when they go to play like you know a team with the Lakers, for example? They got. You know, Dwight Howard and LeBron James and JaVale McGee. And they got some huge guys in the – Anthony Davis. They got big guys in the paint. I don't know. That's that's my thing. I just don't know how they'd be able to match up in the paint. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head, dude. The Rockets are a beastly offensive team. But when you're up against a, a team that does have some of those big guys, you know, it's, it's hard to say – um, you might, you're going to lose that defensive battle pretty much no matter what. And, you know, 
as they say, defense is the best is the best offense. So yeah. I don't know, dude. I don't know. I think I think if you're if you have like a, a really hot James Harden, Russell Westbrook though, like they're gonna be able to to light up pretty much any team in the NBA. So yeah, yeah it'll be exciting to see for sure. Yeah. And I've been thinking, I've been doing like I've been doing some like brief meditation on who I think like like who's gonna be a strong team coming out of the West, who's gonna be, you know, a strong candidate coming out of the East. And I was just kind of trying to break down what what constitutes a good playoff basketball team, because obviously, like the playoffs are a completely different story than the regular season. I mean, you have a lot of teams that I think right now are a little overhyped, if you will, like a little overrated um, because they were so successful during the regular season. And a lot of times we see those teams, we see teams like, you know, maybe they win, you know, some games that maybe they got a little bit lucky or maybe they, you know, they were able to hold up, like maybe they were ahead early on in the game. They were just able to, you know, close it out in the game and just finish, you know, plus five or plus six or whatever. But there's, there are teams in the East that I know for sure. I'm looking at the Miami heat because I I don't know how they're going to be able to translate into like postseason basketball, even though they're a good team, they're a young team, but they're a good team. And there's, you know, there are a couple of teams in the West where I'm like, great, great regular season team, but what, how are they going to be able to win a seven game series when there are three really important factors that aren't really affecting regular season games? Those factors are like, you know, depth, depth in the lineup, because a lot of guys, a lot of times in the regular season, you know, the seven, seven best dudes are just playing. That's it. You know, and if one of those guys gets hurt, well, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do and fix it with a little bit of glue, but you know, now <laughs> in the regular season, you know, they have, they have to find somebody to fill that gap. And, you know, it's depth, depth, it's defensive strategy going forward. And it's, you know, a little bit of luck. You got to be able to stay healthy and really it's not, not even luck, but it's, you know, putting your team in the right position, you know, how, how can you rehabilitate your, you know, your guys? Is it, are you icing them? Are they getting enough rest? Stuff like that to prevent those injuries, you know, the healthiest teams, the teams that have the deepest bench, you know, those are the teams I think are make really good playoff teams come, you know, come playoff time. So I was looking at like, you know, the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets could be a potential, you know, sneaky team coming in. Um, you know, we talked about the Clippers. I really like the Clippers. Um, and in the East, I, you know, I love the, uh, I love the Bucks. I think the Bucks are probably going to be my favorite, you know, to win the East. So yeah, just some thoughts. Yeah, definitely. We're we got a lot of excitement uh, in the and the yeah in the NBA that's already happened, and the playoffs are going to be even more exciting. So a lot to yeah. look forward to there. Alrighty, um, our next one of our uh, last segments that we're going to do today: um, potential bubble for twenty twenty one. So you would you would talk about this last week, how you're seeing some reports about what they were going to do for next season. Um, There's an article written in ESPN, and you know it, it was just kind of outlining the plans for next year. Um, they, they had mentioned that the rough start date is going to be defense, excuse me, December 1st. And the reason it's December 1st is because they, the NBA feels that they could play all 82 games. They could play the, the duration of the playoffs and they could also give the players the opportunity if they wanted to the opportunity to play in the 2021, um, Olympics in Tokyo, which we know has been, you know, delayed to next year. So you, you like the, the do you like the December 1st start date? Yeah, I definitely do. I I think that getting those athletes to the Olympics is huge. 
I'm really, you know, hoping that they're still going to take place in 2021, fingers crossed, because I know, obviously, the Olympics are a huge investment and just a huge, you know, worldwide event. So missing them in 2021 and just having to straight up cancel them would would really be bad. So I'm I'm hoping that things can, you know, be, you know, in a better spot by then. And I think the December start date is a great way to ensure uh, some of that stuff happening. Yeah. And I, I saw this too, that Las Vegas and Orlando are two of the city, cities that they're still considering um, for next season. But I got to tell you, I think, I think what they're doing in Orlando right now is working. And so, I, I mean, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, I think, I think the uh, ESPN wild world of sports at Disney is doing a great job. Um, guys seem to be safe. I mean, I don't know how much fun they're having because they're not able to do you know, stuff that I'm sure that they wish they could be doing and they're not able to see their family, but I mean, all in all, it looks like they're, they're safe. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty. Uh, wrapping up here. Um, we we're switching up here. We got a, a little entertainment um, for our listeners. Um, we're going to do our Pixar top five uh, movies that we, that we've seen. So Noah, I want you to go through your rundown. Who are your top five? Definitely. So th- this idea was inspired. I watched uh, Ratatouille last night uh, mm-hmm. with my sister. Absolute amazing movie. Really, uh, really, you know, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's <laughs> so good. It had to be in my top five. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it even though I love it so much, there there's Pixar makes such great movies that it's going to be beat out on my list. So I'll start with my number five. And, and obviously these are super subjective. I threw this together pretty quickly. If I, if I put more time in and rewatched all the Pixar movies, I'm sure my list would be a little different, but the five I'm picking, I I will stand by as great movies for sure. And number five is going to be up, which is, you know, just a classic movie, Uh, a little more sad than some of the other ones for sure, but everyone needs a good cry now and then. So that's a great one. (laughs) Uh, The next one's going to be Coco more recent for sure. But I watched this movie and yeah, it, this was also a crier, actually. So maybe, man, maybe I'm man. just a fan, just a fan of that genre. But Coco is just a beautiful movie, man. And if I, um, you know, had had uh, a different heritage than what I do, I, I know it would be even more impactful. So yeah, that that movie is just great on all fronts. Yeah. Um, the next one, Toy Story Two, I put in. I think Toy Story Two is arguably the best out of the four. Yeah, uh, all of them are great. Agree. Yeah. But yeah, that one that one's huge, so I had to put that on the list. Next, uh, Ratatouille, as I as I mentioned earlier, an amazing movie. Uh, just I'm I'm looking for a word to better describe it because I think calling it a movie it doesn't really do it justice. But yeah, just just an experience really watching that one. Uh, and then the final one, uh, this one is huge. Uh, I was kind of you know I wasn't the biggest fan of it. Uh, when it first came out, I was like five years old. But when I started, <laughs> when I watched it, when I was like seven, I was just infatuated with it, and it it still holds up to this day. It's got to be incredible. It's coming in at my number one. Yeah, good list, good list. Um, I yeah, like I have to, I'll have to rewatch Ratatouille. I saw that when I was a little too. But yeah, and then Coco, I need to get a chance to watch that. So I didn't. So disclaimer, I haven't seen that one yet. So I I don't know. But I, I hear it's great. So, yeah, I'll have to get on that. Um, but at number five, 
Um, I had to start with the crier and I didn't want my crier to be number one because you know, <laughs> that, that's just not how I would make my list. But at number five, I got up. Um, I love the creativity. Um, I love the, the main character. I love the, the elderly, the elderly gentleman. Um, what, what is his last, what is his last name? Mr. Fredrickson. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mr. Fredrickson is a, he's a nice soul. Um, moving on at number four. Um, you you hit it right in the head. I think Toy Story Two is actually low key the best film that they ever had, um, because and I'll I'll go in a little depth here. Uh, Toy Story One was actually kind of scary. <laughs> that Sid true, character. true. Dude, that that Sid character, and when all those other mean toys came to life, that was kind of terror terrible. Like for me, <laughs> it, it was like I was terrorized as a child. But then, anyways. Um, moving on, you know, Toy Story 3, uh, kind of the same situation with that pink bear. That pink bear was really scary. Um, and then at number four, actually, the fourth Toy Story is actually still pretty good. I like that one. You know, they, they added some new characters, but they still kept in touch with some of the old main characters. I thought that was great. Um, Forky was excellent. Um, his character was, you know, completely, like, completely out of it. But I still thought his, you know, he brought some great much-needed comedy to, you know, almost a sad situation where they, you know, they lose their, you know, toy um, or they lose their owner, Andy. And they're, you know, they're kind of in that stage of like, now we have a completely new owner, but yeah. It, next one, I got inside out um, the, the whole movie about the internal emotions. Um, just some of the, some of the emotions that I wrote, the anger emotion made that movie for me. So I, I thought he did an excellent, you know, whoever played that character or whoever did the writing for that, you know, that part of the movie was excellent. And at number four, I have Monsters University. Uh, just, there's just a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of comedy in that sequel that I think just kind of goes unnoticed. Just the characters and, you know, kind of they're just the everyday difficulties that they have to face um, being monsters. Um, just, and, you know, the whole story through like how, you know, Mike and Sully are, they're completely different people when they're, in, you know, at the university and then, you know, it just transpires to a really good friendship. Now, number five, my number one, uh, number one, I have Incredibles 2. Um, you you loved Incredibles. I loved the Incredibles, um, but I wasn't going to have both of them on my list. I got Incredibles 2. Um, yeah, I, like same situation. Like I was a little too young for the first Incredibles. But when I watched the second one come out, absolutely, absolutely love the writing. The, the graphics are amazing. Um I love the the Jack Jack character. The baby is great. So yeah, Incredibles at number one. Incredibles two, excuse me, at number one. Yeah, I I definitely thought the first one was slightly better. The second one was still incredible though. And yeah, Jack Jack does play a much cooler role in there. So that's huge. Yeah, your list is great. Inside Out, I wish could have made my top five. And Monsters University, I've I've never actually seen the full thing. I've only seen clips. So I've got to give that one a watch, especially. Uh, being a college student right now, gotta check that out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe you'll learn something on how you should behave in college. Maybe. Huh? <laughs> oh shoot. Okay. Um, and then we got our our uh, news story, of the, our funny news story of the week. This one, I wish I could say, I wish I could say it was from from Florida. It's written by the Miami Herald, though, so that's as close as we're gonna get. Um, and. But in all actuality, it actually takes place in South Carolina. Um, but the, the headline of the story is church burglary suspect goes from unmasked to Batman costume mid heist. 
And he's actually since he's been caught, like apparently he was just trying to rob a church and he didn't even have like any of the gear that he needed to actually do a successful robbery. And he, he got seen by a witness and then he, he saw this costume laying in the church or outside of the church and he throws it on just kind of like on the fly so he can sneak into the church. But I don't know why he's even robbing a church in the first place, <laughs> but this is, this is just what I found in the Miami Herald. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I don't know what you're going to be getting in a church. That's the, that's so valuable. Maybe he needs that holy water for something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually have one more story to add on uh, for our last segment. This is something I, I saw on Twitter, uh, but I, I followed up on it because it was just such an interesting photo. There's this picture going around of this naked man chasing after three boars who are holding something like in a park full of people. And apparently this is in Berlin. There's a nude sunbathing park. Oh, and gosh. this guy, he was out bathing. And he had, like, his laptop and whatever. And some wild boars ran by and stole his laptop bag. And so he was chasing after them <laughs> naked. And there's a photo, and it's just incredible. So I highly recommend looking that one up. Oh, gosh. Well, that, I wouldn't want to be caught in that situation. I'll just say that. You know, that no way. Yeah. No way. <laughs> All right. Uh, good episode, my guy. Um, next week, I think we'll probably talk a little bit about the um, – the lack of, you know, college football. It sounds like, you know, the Big Ten decided today that they're not going to go forth with the 2021 season. Um, probably the safest bet if, you know, they couldn't reach any agreement with, you know, the NCAA on how they should conduct a season. So, yeah, pretty big news. Yeah, definitely. Very, very sad for college football fans. Yeah. But I think it's uh, I think it's probably going to be the right choice in terms of uh, the current COVID landscape we're dealing with. But, yeah, we'll get into that one uh, next week's episode.